Well, good morning, everyone. I have no idea what time it is for you, but for me, it's very early in the morning. I have been taking Elizabeth to the airport and um, wanted to recap the sermon from Sunday for you. Some of you might be on your way to work today or maybe you're settled in, uh, maybe you missed church, maybe you're the Hatfields, you missed church on Sunday, who knows, but um, Sunday's message, uh, the message title, which I actually don't believe I gave anybody, was called Timeless Joy, and my text was from John chapter 8, where Jesus is telling the Jews that Abraham saw the day of Christ and he rejoiced. And um, he said to them before Abraham was, I am. So the, the sermon on Sunday was helping us understand what it meant for Jesus to say that. Obviously, Abraham died years before Christ, many years before Christ. Uh, And so what what did that mean? And so the basic uh, premise of it is that we walk by faith and not by sight. And you can look at Genesis 22 and read the story of Abraham and you can look in Hebrews 11 and you can hear what the Apostle Paul has to say about really the same subject. So Jesus is living it out, talking about it, uh, but he's referring back to Genesis 22 and the life of Abraham and he's uh, his doctrine is more fully explained in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, as I'm sure many of you know, considered the faith chapter of the New Testament. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, by it, it it goes on to say that the the elders, the patriarchs, the, the fathers of their faith, they received a good report. And it goes down and it talks about each one of these. So the focus of my message was how faith, uh, we we walk by faith, not by sight, but faith gives us a sight. It gives us a picture of what will be the world that we live in now and the reality that we live in. as far as what we see with our eyes and what we are experiencing is very different than what we believe will be. Things will not always be as they are. Um, And we believe this. So Hebrews 11 and of course the story of Hebrews and uh, or the story of Abraham which is briefly outlined in Hebrews 11, 
is a story of a man who doesn't know where he's going, but he goes anyway. And so it's kind of, just think about it, you know, imagine you're having to explain to your family why you're doing what you're doing, why you're um, making some of the decisions you make. In, in his case, here he is, they're saying, oh, okay, you're moving, you're, you're getting all your possessions, and you're just, you're taking off. And your wife and your family, you know, and, and you're going, and he even, even takes some of his family with him. And so he goes and leaves Ur of the Chaldees, and they say, well, where are you going? And he didn't know, but the Bible tells us that he, he could see where he was going at the same time. So, so by faith, he obeys God's word to get up, to leave his country, to leave his family, and to go. And by faith, he knew that where he was going was to do the will of God, to be a nation uh, of God's people. And so he, it wasn't like he was going to arrive and he was going to see it. He could only see it in his mind. In fact, Hebrews tells us that he died not getting the promise. But at the same time, he did get it. And I really think that that wraps up a great deal of the idea of faith. We may not live to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in, in, the, in, in its fullest extent. But we have to live our lives by faith, seeing Christ as king over all the earth, all of his enemies subdued under his feet. Um, we need to look at poverty being conquered and sickness being conquered and, you know, governments, despotism, injustice being beaten down and Christ is seated on the throne of righteousness, judging the nations, you know, the wealthy are not um, exerting their will over the people in an ungodly way. And we have to believe that that is what is coming because the Bible says it will. The knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And uh, as the book of Psalms tells us, and it is quoted by the apostles, um, all those enemies will become the footstool of our Savior, our King. So we walk by faith, not by sight, but faith gives us sight. And the sight that it gives us is what keeps us on the straight and narrow. Years ago, I heard someone give this example. I don't remember who, but they were talking about plowing. And if you've never tried this, even on a, you know, just in your little, your little backyard garden, Jesus said, he that goeth to the plow and who look and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. Now you, you may go, what is, what's that mean? And, and, and the Bible talks about being on the straight and narrow, looking into the distance at where you're going helps you to stay on the straight and narrow. If you are looking back while you're plowing to look and see if your row is straight, you will 
make a very crooked lawn. Um, it's just a fact. And so the straight line that we get and the way that we don't look back is we look ahead. Paul described it as this in Philippians chapter 3, which is um, going to be part of our memorization here shortly here in the next month. Is Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing on to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's explaining a lifestyle that doesn't look back at your own faults and failures or look back at how things are not the way that they will be, but looks forward to how that they're going to be. Our life is not a life of mourning and lamentation and, uh, and, and, you know, looking at things and being dissatisfied with the way they are. Contentment can only come for the Christian when he believes that God will have his holy will in the world. Now, it may be coming to us, uh, you know, slower than we wish that it would, but it is coming. And the way that we live our lives right now by faith um, is going to define everything. So we've got to get our minds off of what's going on around us and what has happened to us. We can't live a life of, you know, this person did this bad thing to me or, you know, I was treated this way when I was young and, you know, no one's ever going to do me wrong and, and all this stuff. We get we can get like this. A lot of people's entire future um, is often defined by their past. The Christian cannot live this way. Their future and the things that they do must be defined not by their past or by any past, but they need to be like Paul. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing on to those things which are before. And it's not that we not we, we need not to... It's not as though we need to ignore history or, you know, act as though bad things haven't happened. Uh, you know, this is, that would be the, the micro, um, the micro way of looking at it. You know, the, I guess they call it the myopic way of looking at it might be, uh, this is big picture stuff. So Abraham rejoiced. He not only saw the day of Christ, but he rejoiced in it. And that's another aspect of it. So he saw it. He kept moving. He uh, looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. So he he was focused. You know, had he as um, Paul says, or whoever wrote Hebrews, the church has accepted Paul being the writer of it. But we're not one hundred percent sure because uh, because the book doesn't say. But uh, when, when the apostle says, you know, these, these men and Abraham, he could have thought about where he came from. And if, if he spent his time thinking about he missed home and what if he had stayed there and wonder what's going on there. And if he had, he, he would have never been the man of faith that he was. He would not be the friend of God that he was. He would not be the father of the faithful. We can't live like that. 
Um, we know that even in Abraham's story, there is the story of that God gives us, which is a picture uh, of the way things shouldn't be. So uh, he going with him is his uh, nephew Lot. And so Lot goes with him, and of course we remember that Lot had a wife, right? So here they were in uh, Sodom, and God is kind enough through, uh, you know, the angels through Abraham to to get Lot out of Sodom before he destroys this city and the, and the surrounding cities. But if you remember the story of Lot, and particularly Lot's wife, they were told something, and I believe that it happens in this story because it it relates to the way that the believer should live their lives. So I'm sure you know where I'm going. Lot's wife, they were told all of them, not just Lot's wife, everyone was told that you can, uh, when you leave the city, don't look back, you know. But what did they do? We know Lot's wife looked back, and when she did, she was turned into a pillar of salt, which, even to this day, the Jews believe is still there. This large person-like mound, person-like shaped mound of salt. Now, whether it's that place or not, she did turn into a pillar of salt. Now, this almost sounds like Greek mythology, um, but we know it's not, and it's not like God did this a lot. I mean, you know, Narnia, uh, people are being turned into stone and that kind of stuff, and, and and so here we have God turning a woman to a pillar of salt. Um, that's pretty rough, and so this was a reminder um, for a whole lot of people for a whole lot of time. I'm sure this was not soon for God. Um, for years to come, for, well, for thousands of years now, people have been talking about it. God gives us these kinds of things to indelibly put on our minds what he wants us to know. And so what was the big... So even after God creates a nation... Did they learn this lesson? Here they were, slaves in Egypt. And, you know, of course, they're moaning and crying to God for deliverance from their slavery. And God sends them a deliverer. But soon as they, they're not even, they're not even really a great, a, a good walk away from the, from the Egyptians who had, enslaved them, and here they are, the Bible tells us, longing for the flesh pots of Egypt. Now, we can laugh at them if we want to, um, but I really think it would serve us better to consider how easy it is to be like this. Many of them would say, well, you know, what's the deal? You know, God has saved us from these people, but you know, we're going to die of thirst. You know, we're going to die of hunger. It'd been better to be slaves than to die of thirst out here in the wilderness. They were looking back. When it says they were 
longing for the flesh pots of Egypt, you know, they basically were saying there was better food there. Uh, we had a guarantee there, um, you know, starvation and, and dying of thirst in the desert. This is really, really bad. I'm sure not only they did that, I, I bet you they also, when they were headed into the promised land, were guilty of, of looking back then as well. Um, they remember the great army that Pharaoh had. They remember the great nation that they were, and they're facing the Canaanites who have, you know, these giant cities with, you know, walls so big you can have chariot races on top. And and so they have this whole other nation. Here they are, a, a people without, um, you know, a great army and chariots and horses and all that stuff. And so they're looking back. They're looking at themselves and they're not looking at the way things will be when God says all this land is going to be yours. That's what they should have been doing. That's what Joshua and Caleb were doing. They were looking forward. They were looking right through their enemies. Um, when I was younger, I was friends with a bunch of uh, immigrants. Uh, they were actually boat people, Vietnamese and stuff. And they, it, it was actually not far from the time when America went through the crazy Kung Fu phase. Um, so when I was a kid, I was kind of into Kung Fu kicking things and people and whatever and people were always like breaking boards and all kinds of stuff and one of the things I learned that the way that you break a board is you you have to visualize and I and this is not this is not you know the power of positive thinking but there is something to this that when you go to hit a board if you think of that board you're going to just hit your hand on it and hurt yourself but if you see your hand going through it you if you think through the board like my hand is going through that board uh, you will break the board now not every board and not every hand I mean you know you but but you're certainly going to be better off at the very least thinking your way through that board and we have many obstacles in front of us and we can look right at them but the Bible tells us to walk by faith and see things not as they are uh, visually before our eyes, but the way that God declares that they will be. So, you know, God hasn't guaranteed us that all of our kids are going to be the smartest kids and all of our kids are going to be the most godly kids and whatever, uh, because we do things a little bit different than other people. But the reason I pray, and I hope the reason is, that we do the things we do are is not out of fear, uh, but out of faith. That we look at our lives and we say, listen, if we are the people of God, and if God's kingdom is going to come, as well as going to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then I want to obey King Jesus right now. And even though everybody else isn't, even though people make fun of us for not wanting our children to be, you know, taught basically by the Philistines, uh, even though we're, you know, now we can get in a, in a pride and I think this is where we end up going. Like, you know, we don't do like they do. That's not what this is about. We do it. Even if our kids aren't the smartest, aren't the most educated, uh, don't make better money. Uh, it's not the better way in, in the, in the most logical sense. You know, if we don't get those results, it's okay. That's not why we're doing it. 
We're doing it because we believe the scripture says we should train them up in the way that they should go, that we should teach them the word of God. And you can't do that. At least I don't understand how you can do that if you're not with them and you're turning them over to people that hate God. So, so you don't do it to be smarter, better, better way. You do it believing that God will have his will and that what you want, uh, to do is honor God in everything that you do. And you know, the size of family you have and, uh, the, uh, the way that you deal with money, uh, the house that you live on, whether or not, you know, you're, uh, you know, pursuing a life just so you can have more stuff, you know, the life of personal peace and affluence. These kind, this kind of lifestyle is not a lifestyle, uh, that is for the Christian. That's a, that's a lifestyle for people who are looking at this world as their home. A life of faith is is totally different than that. A life of faith says, I don't care what the outcome is. I'm going to do it the right way. I don't care what, you know, maybe right now, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we lose. Maybe we're persecuted. Maybe they throw us in jail. Maybe ISIS does cut the heads off of, you know, me and, 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 lots of other members of our church and and in the short term you know maybe maybe sharia law is instituted in you know ohio i mean i can't comprehend that kind of stuff but it could happen if it did we shouldn't be in total dismay like it's impossible but we wouldn't live as though we believe that they're going to win they're not going to win jesus wins we win whether it is right now at the moment before our eyes, you know, Abraham did not live to see those promises and we may not either, but we have lived to see promises. He did not. And, and, uh, and, and our children will live to see promises we have not. So let us not only see that day, the day of Christ, but rejoice in it. This is how, this is the only way we can have joy. Look to that as we plan our lives and live our lives and decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Not living a life of fear or even a life that's, you know, trying to get the upper hand on the people around us by, you know, being so much smarter. They're all stupid. You know, they, they go to the hospital and, uh, you know, all the nurses and doctors tell them what to do, but we don't. And they're dumb and their kids are all being dumbed down and video game, you know, uh, you know, crazy, but our kids, they read books and they, all that stuff is good. But what we should be saying is how do we bring glory to God? How do we build God's kingdom? What do we do? How can we live by faith, seeing Christ on the throne right now as our King? How do we do that? So we need to be like, uh, Abraham, like Jesus said in John chapter eight, he, he saw my day and he rejoiced to see it. And our joy is not based in the circumstances that are around us or even the circumstances, you know, that we project even on our own future, but we are looking ahead way into the distance to the day of Christ, to the day of the consummation of all things. And with that, we can walk in joy and in hope and be on the straight and narrow path. So, hey, hope you're walking on that path today. Hope you're living in joy today and not worried about what's going on around you. Have faith. 
you will be God's people today if you do that. In Christ, uh, Christ's name, I just pray that you'll have faith today for these things. And uh, I'll see you soon. Bye now.